when you go to work each day, yeah. are you doing what you love to do? Mm. Are you enjoying that work? Yeah. So I don't care if you're a cleaner, if you're a banker, if you're a gardener, if you're a mum, a dad, wherever you're spending your time, are you enjoying the work that you do? Now, you and I both know that every job has a shit sandwich in it. Yes. No matter how much you love to do. Uh, the artist loves to paint, but there's times where it's just freaking hard. Hey folks, Jason Whitten here, your host of the Wealth Faculty Podcast. And this week I had a chance to sit down with Marcus Pierce. He is the producer, founder and host of 100 Not Out. Has written a book called Your Exceptional Life. And uh, we had a chance to talk about the eight pillars, the eight sections of what he's discovered by interviewing the oldest people in the world. And over 400 podcast interviews and episodes in wellness, length of life, health, you name it, and the things he's discovered. Uh, fantastic conversation. I hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast. Enjoy. Marcus Pierce, welcome to the podcast. Always a pleasure to be with you, Jason. Thanks for having me. Mate, I've been excited to catch up with you and have a chat about uh, what you've been up to. We've known each other for many years and you've presented uh, your exceptional life blueprint concept to, to our tribe and mentoring group around Australia many times, also to thousands and thousands of other Australians, you know, taking people to Icaria, teaching them to live longer, better lives, etc. So I'm excited about this conversation today. Uh, you know, uh, just a couple of quick headlines, ladies and gentlemen listening in, you know, Marcus, you know, uh, the founder, producer, creator of uh, 100 uh, Not Out, the podcast. How many episodes now? We're just over 400 now. 400 so episodes. started when uh, I was listening to Tim Ferriss the other day and he said, I've been doing this since 2014. I was like, huh, we've been doing 100 Not Out since 2013. And it just makes you realise that podcasts have been around for almost a decade. Like, well, they've actually been around for longer. But, yeah. but as a popular culture medium, they're starting to get some grey hairs. It's pretty good. Getting some momentum. and. Yeah. Over two million downloads, you yeah. know, lots of lots of engagement, and and is it true that you've interviewed the oldest people in the world, or some of the Austra oldest people in the world? Australia's oldest man, Dexter Kruger, ah. lives in Roma, <laughs> in Queensland, and out, out my way, out absolutely. my way, where I grew up, yeah, seriously, yeah. and um, and we've interviewed Dexter two or three times over the journey, um, and you just learn so much when you're interviewing people that have lived for generations longer than you. Yes. I mean, I love – you and I have a great friendship. You're 10 years older than I am. I love spending time with people that are older than me. You mm. just learn so much. But mm. when you take it 50, 60, 70 years older than you, you just – there's so much wisdom to glean. So much wisdom and so much perspective, I suppose, on life where you can – sometimes you can be – you know, what do they say? Youth is wasted on the young, um, oh. you know, potentially. <laughs> but, you know, um, you um, – you grew up always wanting to be a sports commentator. <laughs> you know, where you are now, like a long way from home, you know. Take us a little bit uh, on that journey for, for a minute, set the scene, you know, yeah, creating, sure. um, you know, the Exceptional Life Blueprint, the 101 Not Out podcast, and uh, soon to be released uh, book, yes. Exceptional Life. Um, exciting times. And yes. When to start? There was a there is a gap, isn't there? I loved, uh, I still do. I love uh, AFL football. I grew yeah. up in Melbourne. Yeah. Uh, thought I'd be. I knew I was never going to be good enough to play 
uh, professional football. So I wanted to be the next Bruce McAvaney or Eddie Maguire. They were the two preeminent commentators, inspiration. inspiration And I studied journalism at university, worked in breakfast radio and worked at a Melbourne radio station called SEN, which still exists today, 24-hour sports radio station. So if you love sport, that's like your favourite place <laughs> to work. mud, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, and then worked at the AFL footy show, which is uh, we're, in, we're in rugby uh, territory up here in they'd yeah. be quite famous in Melbourne, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, if I said that in Melbourne, people would know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, and... So yeah, I so I worked with Eddie Maguire. Eddie Maguire was the host of the Footy Show for um, many years, and my eighteen months at the Footy Show was Eddie Maguire's last year. So I I worked um, with you know my heroes, so to speak, and didn't work didn't work directly with Bruce McAvaney, but we had some work to do together. Worked with Richie Benno. Worked with like wonderful you know get older statesmen like yeah. I don't want to call Eddie an Big older names statesman, in but, the game. but just that that. Older people that that I just these days I realize I actually just love learning from. But I realized pretty quickly. It took again. I'm a big believer in seven year cycles. I think after seven years in the media, I was like, there is a uh, my fan love, uh, and I know you love you love um, bouldering and yes. climbing. I realized that I loved being a fan, but working, getting paid to cover media, it took a lot of love out of the. Game. I realised I was shine off the magic of the thing. Yeah, yeah. I was chasing ambulances. You know, yeah, like yeah. Wayne Carey has an affair on his wife. You've got to start calling people and mm. doing all of the things that you don't really want to do. And you 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 you're chasing crises. You know, and yeah. in media land, and some people get a bit disconcerted when I talk about how the media works. But let's be honest, like if it bleeds, it leads. And yeah. so you've got to find bleeding carcasses yeah. on the side of the road. It's why in sport, you know. Uh, Torn hamstrings, uh, ruptured cruciate ligaments. You know, people's livelihoods are literally torn apart, but you're talking about the ligament that broke and they won't get a game this week because of an injury that took place and someone's marriage is falling apart. I was like, oh, just part of it. I I just wanted to go back to being a fan. Yeah. Um, And at the same time, conveniently, I'd fallen in love with my now wife, Sarah, who's a chiropractor. Uh, Love love changes directions in life often. (laughs) Big change. And again, you and I have bonded a lot over personal growth over the years. And so when Sarah and I met, I was a workaholic smoking journalist that that lived on a steady diet of Red Bull and cigarettes. And it was... (laughs) As all all good media people do. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, And, you know, it was a scotch and coke after work and a lot of beer and, you know... Remember the days when having 12 to 20 beers was just a night out? Just a normal thing and you back it up the next <laughs> yeah, day. It's like I just one corona and I'm done. But um, <laughs> I remember when Sarah and I met, I was fascinated by her commitment to health. I don't know if you had any gaps in your personal growth adventure, mm. but I, you know, I love doing work that you love. And I went to the gym and I thought I was pretty fit. I had muscles. I remember I weighed 82 kilos. I was like 11% body fat, but I smoked cigarettes. And, Is that right? Oh, yeah, I was so well, into I it. I was going to say, like yeah. this yin and yang here, kind of I could see you sort of rough and ready, <laughs> durry and a, and a, and a scotch and no, coke. I, mean, and then... I was a picture of health, but on the inside, I was probably anything right. but. And so I met Sarah and she's, you know, everything's whole food and organic and so <laughs> And I was the yin to the yang and and there was this time where I came home from the footy show one morning, it was probably like three or four in the morning, would have had a few beers and a couple of cigarettes after the show and, you know, we'd sit around, I love those days, you'd sit around a big table and you'd talk about what worked, what didn't work and, you know, 
again, and you're working with heroes. Like for me, it was yeah. Eddie Maguire and Gary Lyon and Sam Newman. Some people don't like Sam, but we'd be talking around and riffing and it was just so much fun. But you'd get home literally three or four in the morning stinking of cigarettes yeah. <laughs> and I'd be like, it's too late to have a shower. I'm just going to hop into bed. And my poor girlfriend at the time, Sarah, she'd be half asleep or fully asleep and I'm just this stinking wretched unit oh. would get into the bed and she'd be like, this is just not cool. And I was beginning to recognise that uh, uh, falling in love with Sarah was a really good wake-up call for my health because mm. I'd always, again, you and I met at Tony Robbins events. Yes. I always skipped the health CDs back in those days and then little iPod. I'd always skip the section. No, don't need this rubbish. Health, yeah. you know, like alkalize and energize. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll leave so that for another day. Yeah. And then I kind of just fell in love with Alkalize and Energize by way of Sarah. And that was our um, coming together in many ways. So I we bonded on personal growth. Again, in chiropractic world, John Martini had done a lot of um, presentations to the chiropractic community. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when my mum and dad split up when I was 10, my mum went from listening to 3AW or 4BC up here or 2UE in Sydney. She went from that to... Tony Robbins, 30-day personal power, put your life together. Is that you know, right? Yeah, in cassettes. So wow. so I had, you know, we talk about um, the Amway cassettes yeah. and all the rest of it. Well, yeah. I instead, I'd be going to school or being picked up from the bus listening to Tony Robbins as a 16 or 17-year-old. And then I still remember to this day, for my 21st birthday, my mum had next to no money and she bought Get the Edge uh, the seven-day CD program, would have uh, watched it on Guthy Ranker at 2 o'clock in the morning yeah, when she had no yeah, idea yeah. what to do with her life. She thought, I'm going to buy that for my son. So my 21st birthday present from my mum. I still right? remember it was like 500 bucks. Wow. It was like seven CDs plus another bonus and seven did you CDs. listen to it? Oh, yeah. yeah. I like immersed myself because <laughs> I can see behind you, you've got Anthony Robbins' Awaken the Giant Within. There it is. You know, like the immersion. And we spoke about... In a, in a summary uh, conversation we had for the wealth faculty, yeah. how we immerse ourselves, we almost fall in love with our with many personal growth gurus. And yeah. I remember at that time, I could have told you every word of every CD of Get the Edge. I could have told you every principle, every single thing. And so when I met Sarah, you know, age 24, 25, I felt very personally developed uh-huh. except for health. health. Uh-huh. And then, so we travelled the world again. You and Shay, when you met um, in WA, you went and travelled Australia. Yeah, you know, it was like three or four months. That that freedom. Yeah. Sarah and I, we did date with destiny on the Gold Coast, and then had a one way ticket to Cairo, <laughs> Egypt. Wow. And that was our, you know, freedom and flexibility. Um, we yeah. travelled around Europe, lived in Ireland in a thatched cottage for a year, uh, on a hundred acres with with uh, sheep as our Neighbours. Were you farming potatoes? Oh, or I was, was I was, uh, I'm not really, as you know me, I'm like, I've got not the female, handiest guy in the female, world. like piano fingers and I'm not really cut out. <laughs> I still remember there was a sheep in distress and I thought it was dying or something had happened. And I still remember Patsy, our friend and landlord, came up and he's like, oh, Marcus, the sheep's just caught in the bog. Why didn't you get it out? I was like... I didn't know what to do, Patsy. Like, the sheep was literally caught in the mud. Got stuck. All I had to do was go and just, like, rip it out. But the poor thing had, like, been freezing in mud for a day. <laughs> so, anyway, Sarah and I, we, we 
our whole relationship developed to the point where I recognised very quickly that chiropractors earned good money and journalists did not earn that good yeah, money. Gotcha. So in 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 Ireland, uh, I just helped Sarah grow her practice. Chiropractic practice. Yep. So I kind of became the business manager, and Sarah was the magic with the hands. So we came back. I'm answering your question. I promise. <laughs> we came back to Australia, and uh, there was temptations to. Um, Go back to the Go media. Back. Shane Warne was starting his own TV show and I'd been invited back to produce that. And our other, again, we always get tempted, don't we, yeah. when to go back to comfort. Um, but then, uh, you know, we Sarah definitely wanted to start her own chiropractic practice and I was very much, I loved chiropractic and still do to this day. And I thought, no, we'll do this. And we knew we were going to start a family. So I thought, where will we live? We wanted to live down near Sarah's family. They were by the beach in Gippsland, Victoria, in yeah. Inblock. So we started that and we started a chiropractic practice. And um, I promise I'm answering your question. <laughs> uh, we'll get there. We get there. We, we start the practice 2008. 2010, our daughter's born. And about three to six months into uh, that process, Sarah's going to bed early every night, you know, just young parents. I'm reading a book called Healthy at 100 by a man called John Robbins, uh-huh. who's the heir to the throne of the Baskin Robbins Ice Cream Corporation. Yes. I was telling you guys this earlier today. He's the only son. His uncle Bert Baskin died of a died of a heart attack, I think it was. And his dad, Irv Robbins, had uh, diabetes and heart disease. And and John Robbins had this realization that he didn't want to develop the thirty second flavor of ice cream. He mm. actually wanted to do something more with his life. He'd grown up with an ice cream cone shaped swimming pool. He'd had ice cream for breakfast, lunch and dinner. He was like, I just can't do this anymore. He wanted to work on health. And uh, he wrote this great book, Healthy 100. And I'm reading this, I haven't told you, but by this point I'd gone from smoking and Red Bull to ginger tea and raw cashews. <laughs> We've done the 10 day challenge. The, the, at, the full pendulum swing. You remember the 10 day challenge at uh, UPW? Yeah, no meat. No, no meat. You no know, coffee, so no did, alcohol, did no, no meat for 10 days and extended it to 30 days. Then it went on for seven years, cut out the grog, became raging vegan, uh, teetotaler. I was just thinking this was the fountain of youth. Yeah. If you were vegan and you didn't have alcohol, you had literally found the secret to living a great long life. <laughs> So I read the book for confirmation bias because John Robbins, also a leader of the vegan world. As we do. Yeah. As we do. The book's called Healthy at 100. Go, oh, I'm going to be healthy at 100. I'm going to read all the reasons why because I'm a vegan <laughs> like John Robbins. And, and, he, and he references in the second, I still remember the second page of the introduction, not even chapter one, a study by the uh, Yale School of Public Health asking uh, 600 uh, men and women, as you age, you become less useful, agree or disagree. Uh-huh. So do you agree? As you age, you become less useful, agree or disagree? Yeah, well, what? a disagree. I agree, Dis- agree. As like, you age, you become less useful. Less, less youthful. You, no, useful. Oh, useful. useful. Oh, yeah, no, disagree. As you age, yeah. you become more of a burden on society, agree or disagree? Disagree. As you age, you become more of a burden on your family, agree or disagree? Disagree. The people that agreed that thought you became a burden on society, on uh, your family, and you became less useful died seven and a half years earlier than people that had an empowered view of their future. Fascinating. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And and his whole point was they didn't measure your diet, they didn't measure your genes, they didn't measure your exercise levels, your wealth, they didn't measure your family status, all they measured what was what was between so the So the journalist in you is like, hang on, I'm going to check this out. Is this The journalist in me was, exactly. Yeah. I am so wrong in everything that I have believed about 
many areas of my life, but particularly my diet and uh, my alcohol and other judgments, literally judgments I'd had on society. Yeah. But I was like, I'm so glad I'm a journalist because now I want to go and investigate this. Uh-huh. And and that simmered for about two or three years. Mm-hmm. I read more books. I had so you know when you start thinking about something, the conversations I was having with people just sits would in the background. To change. Yeah. I was probably calling you, yeah, because you and I have often bonded on you know how do you work out family and business and all the rest of it. I yeah. would have asked you about what do you think about this, what do you think about that. I sent. Book summaries. <laughs> Such a, I was so obsessed. I'd send my family and some friends book summaries of the books I was reading to go. What do you think about this? What do you reckon? You know, and one of these people was Damien Christoph, who was a chiropractor that Sarah had studied with uh, at RMIT. He'd hosted a show in New Zealand called Downsize Me. It was one of the first TV shows about a television show. Yeah, first yeah first right. TV shows about empowering weight loss. Um, for those people that don't know Damo, he's you know he's the health expert on Triple M. He's featured all around the country. Um, but Co-host with you in One Hundred Not Out. And I wellness. said to him, yeah. yes, that's right. I said to Damo, do you want to host a podcast on longevity? Because Damo was thirty nine, about to turn forty, but scared of turning forty. Ah. And he was the man that was all about eating well. And I'm like, mate, I'm a raging vegan. You love meat. You're telling me I need to eat meat. But what if it's like not about any of that? Because this study and all the rest had started to blow me up. Yeah. And he said, all right, let's do it. And, and yeah, he said, Damo was host of a, the, kind of like one of the number one shows in health um, as a pioneering podcast called The Wellness Guys. And it, it kind of broke the internet when podcasts became a thing. Yeah. And Damo and I started interviewing um, a number of people. And what we really discovered was that. We thought they would say, yes, you know, I eat chicken salads and, you know, I fast all the time and I don't drink much. And you, I, you were looking for more confirmation <laughs> bias. But did, did you sort of say, oh, right, let's, let's interview some old people? Or where did it start, like, you know, for that sort of yes, stuff? Like, you know. It was like, let's, we thought we were an ageing well podcast, you know. Got and, you. And, and, and most of it we, we still think we are, but we've really reframed a lot of it. I now see myself more as... Exceptional life design. Yes. You want to you want to design a life that is exceptional and not mediocre. Yeah. But that has come from a lot of those interviews and a lot of my research and thinking and musings uh, uh, and the uh, rest. Uh. But we'd interview, you know, Dexter Kruger, the world Australia's oldest man, and he wouldn't, um, you know, he'd have a coffee and cake for morning tea and a coffee <laughs> and cake for afternoon tea and a coffee before midnight, and you'd be like, and Damo would be like, Dexter, you just broke all the rules. Of like what I go to uni for, you know, I spend fifty thousand dollars to learn this stuff, and then you tell me you're breaking all of the rules. You're just kind of flipping nutrition on its head, it's messing with your uh, your version of what the story looked like. You know, we'd interview centenarian Holocaust survivors. We'd interview, you know, a, a Melbourne psychologist that climbs Everest on her sixty eighth birthday. Why does a Melbourne accountant become the, the Australia's oldest man to swim the English Channel mm. a day after a woman half his age dies trying to cross it? You know, how do you piece all this together? Some things uh, I don't think are meant to make sense, but many things go unquestioned. Yes. Why do people that exercise more live longer than, pe- than people that eat the perfect diet but don't exercise all that much? Why do diet gurus die prematurely? Because if eating was the fountain of youth... Shouldn't the diet gurus that eat the perfect Many diet live Many examples around for that, right? Yeah. Nathan Pritikin, who, uh, um, you know, the founder of uh, the Pritikin diet, you know, committed suicide age 69. Um, 
and again, I don't want to say like I'm talking behind his back, but it's public knowledge. He's actually said it was not good for his – he developed cancer. Mm. It was not good for his profile. Committed suicide. Mm, mm. Adele Davis, one of the biggest nutritionists in America, died at age 70. Michael Montagnac, who was the founder of the South Beach Diet, one of the most popular diets ever, died of prostate cancer at age 66. Robert Atkins, founder of the Atkins, Atkins Diet, diet yeah. died at 72. Like the average age in Australia is 83. None of those got to 83. There's something to be said and we don't question it enough. Yeah, and and obviously that was that was part of the conversation or part of the journey you uh, you guys went on yep. to find out, all right, well, let's ask some questions, um, maybe setting out to look for confirmation bias but <laughs> discovering some things along the way that weren't. A journalist um, always loves to be wrong yes. because when you're wrong, there's a new story there. I, I like saying that often. I like yeah. to be wrong, but I'm, I'm not wrong that often. <laughs> and when I'm wrong, I'm right anyway. Well, yeah. I think the same goes. No, but it's good. It's it's a great way to say, listen, you know, I'm happy to be wrong because I learned something, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and yeah. again, uh, I'm, I may be biased because I'm a trained journalist, but I'm like, journalists are very good at that <laughs> because – on a commercial terms, you can then see a scoop. Yes. You can see a story. Yes. There's something in there. If you're wrong about something, it's like, well, what can I be right about? Yes. You know. Um, so I started to piece together. You know, I'd sit back at night and I'd go, well, hold on a minute. Like, all these patterns are emerging. And I started to think about, well, what is this blueprint for an exceptional life? Because it's not just the people that we've been interviewing on 100 Not Out. There's so many other experiences that just don't form the context of that podcast. Yeah. And again, you and I do so much personal growth. You know, Tony Robbins would talk about the wheel of life and you'd, you'd chop it up and there'd be contribution in your career and your emotional health. And then we do some Demartini work and there's mastering the seven powers in your life and there's financial powers and family powers and social powers. And then you'd go and do another course and they'd talk about their framework for life and so I really began to think of, well, what is, you know, my, my framework, which I call the Exceptional Life Blueprint, it's not a science. It's very much heavily backed in anecdotal evidence. It's, yeah. I don't care so much about, I, I have great respect for the science, but I, I really want to see the living proof that's not in a controlled environment. How know? it plays out in real life. Yeah, yeah. I don't just want to yeah. interview one Holocaust survivor. Yeah. I want to interview many Holocaust survivors and see the pattern of, why are there Holocaust survivors that live this great long life? Mm. That in their own words, they often went through a generation of grieving and trauma and they really struggled with it. But then there was a flick of the switch. Yeah. And often it was they had a child or they had a grandchild or something significant happened. They fell in love again and it really challenged them. And there is a pattern. And many of us have these patterns which we just go on almost like automatons. We're so automatic. Well, it's automatic and we, we learn and we uh, embed those. Those patterns are embedded from maybe our family, some other some other training or unconscious, you know, processes we go yep. through in life. And probably being, you know, being a journalist, you were trained to look for some of these things and kind of bring the story out. like a, 100%. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. And I think, um, and again, all love and respect to everyone in personal growth because you and I are in it yeah. and, and many others as, as well. But we can often almost get a bit too in love with our framework and yes. our messaging. And yes. I, I really attempt to, to be detached from the Exceptional Life Blueprint because I'm still questioning it going, well, is there something missing here? Someone often says, well, where's sleep in the blueprint? And I'm like, well, when, you know, I go, well, that's a really good question. But I think when the areas of your life are actually humming 
and you are and you're working for exceptional in each area of life. You never really have every area of life exceptional all at the same time. You yeah. might have a peak five seconds where you have a come to Jesus moment and everything feels like it's perfect. Yes. Uh, but most of the time you've got a weakness, so to speak, in one or two areas of life. But you want to have perspective of um, where you're at and not get so emotionally attached to it. And I think that's really important from my own standpoint because if I feel like if I ever get too attached to how to live, yeah, then I get blinkered as to actually how to live. Yeah, and, and again, you know, um, you're not open to new experiences or new enhancements of, mm. of let's say, a blueprint or, or, a, or a disposition or an idea. You know, you know, everything grows, and I think that's something, you know, the, the best scientists in the world are saying, like, just, just pretend everything we know is, is, exactly. is, is wrong. You yeah. know, what, what's, what's new? So it's interesting. So, you know, 100-plus, you know, uh, um, you know um, people interviewed, well, I mean, more than 100, but, yep. you know, hundreds and hundreds of interviews piecing together this, this formula, this blueprint, this framework. Um, and so take us through the framework. There's eight parts of the yep. framework that, that, is, that exists as it is right now. It's a living, live document. It is, it is. And now that's being <laughs> expressed in, in your, uh, your new book. Um, which is which is exciting. Almost here. It'll be ready in a couple of weeks. I, I wanted to bring you the hard copy, but it's it's called Your Exceptional Life. Just before it went to print, yes. Uh, my editor in chief, Natalie. I'm so glad she did this. <laughs> she went on Amazon <laughs> and found that a book had literally just been released called Exceptional, which was what my book was going to be called. <sighs> and it wasn't just an amateur book; is a fabulous book called exceptional and so we had to scurry and uh and, and mark two was your exceptional life your exceptional and now life. again it's always again confirmation bias now that it is called your exceptional life i'm so glad it is but um yeah your exceptional life how to make the rest of your life the best of your life it's out in a couple of weeks love it uh you'll be one of the first to get the hard copy go get that folks hard it's uh, it's from from all that i've heard marcus present and talk about over the last 15 years we've known each other um it'll be exceptional that's for sure so but you asked about the framework um take us through each of those stages and i'm sure yeah. as we as we talk about them you know um you know some of the framework um you know we talked a moment ago it might be some are 20%ers some are 5%ers yes. but the culmination of them together you know is kind of maybe the yeah. magic you know in the framework I'd love to put some numbers to this cuz cuz <laughs> this is what I say I don't never want to be too attached to yes. it because if uh for again this is a bit visual so if people are listening Take us through linear yeah. then you know start um, start with start it one dimensional yeah yeah got a triangle and there's seven levels in the triangle yes. now don't see it as you've got to get to the top of the triangle it's not a mountain uh, think of it as a seven-piece puzzle and the foundation of that triangle is a bigger piece. It's a yes. bigger chunk. And yep. that is uh, your life purpose or your career mm. uh, because we spend 24 hours with ourselves. Yeah. Um, and in those 24 hours, we spend a large chunk for most of us, the majority of our day in our chosen career, whether yep. that's you're a full-time mum, whether you're working in a business, whether you're an employee, an employer, whether you're a 14-year-old going to school. Mm. You know, that is your life purpose at that period in time. And yep. it changes. It can yep. change often. I tend to think it changes in seven-year chunks, but it can change as soon as you have a child, yep. your life purpose changes. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the one-liner is doing what you love and loving what you do. I was going to say, you know, like is it, is it that deep where, you know, of – I've, I've had this aha moment and ta-da, you know, it's kind of almost like a fairy tale concept or, um, yeah. you know. Um, Short answer is no. No. Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's really important that 
people don't buy into. I feel like we've gone a bit toxic in the, the times that we're in. Everyone's trying to discover their purpose discover in life. Discover your purpose, yeah. Spending I, so much time. What did someone say? I'm spending so much time. My purpose at the moment is finding my purpose in life. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, the foundation is, is it something as simple as like what you do means something um, important to you? Yes. Give, give us some, you know, give us some sort of context. Okay. When you go to work each day, yeah. are you doing what you love to do? Mm. Are you enjoying that work? Yeah. So I don't care if you're a cleaner, if you're a banker, if you're a gardener, if you're a mum, a dad, wherever you're spending your time, are you enjoying the work that you do? Now, you and I both know that every job has a shit sandwich in it. Yes. No matter how much you love to do. Uh, the artist loves to paint, but there's times where it's just freaking hard. Uh, the investor loves to invest, but there's time where finance is just... <laughs> just hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every career or life purpose has challenge, and it's meant to be. That's the way it's been designed. But as a, on a base level, every single person that I've interviewed has done something that's really filled them up. Yep. And that could be volunteering at the church. You know, Thelma Zimmerman, a war widow who's 97, loves to volunteer at the church and she loves to volunteer at the canteen and she loves to be the secretary at the bridge club and that gives her purpose. So does she love what she does? Yes, she does. Does it sometimes annoy her? Yes, it does. But your life purpose gives you a sense of purpose mm. when you wake up. If yep. you go, I really really don't want to go to work today, that's a bit of a red flag. Yeah. Like what is it? Because when you settle for mediocrity, and my big term is, you know, are you exceptional or are you settling for mediocrity? And yeah. don't take it personally. doesn't mean you're a mediocre human being. We all won the race. We're all exceptional. We all yeah. won the gold medal. We yeah. all got there. Yeah. But we have to recognise if we're settling for mediocrity in an area of life, that is the world's great sign to go, are you prepared to settle for this. Let, let me ask you a quick question there. And, and you know, um, is is there, was there a discovery or, or some feedback where potentially, you know, in, in my head I've got an example here. So the farmer is the farmer, you know, he's sowing the field or whatever it might be. That That's not necessarily like this world-changing purpose, but it's it's an important thing for him. But And then there's other things that it enhance everything or was it kind of... Oh. It was at all encompassing, and and so, maybe you know yeah. you, you know the question I'm trying to ask. Well, it's huge. Can this, you do something average, but but all the other things you add on to your life then make it exceptional? A hundred percent. The thing, well, I would say the thing that you do that you think is average is actually exceptional. Yes. So the farmer in the in the in the field is an exceptional human being mm. doing an exceptional thing. I mean, feeding. Feeding humanity is no small task, yeah. and it takes millions of people around the world to do it. Finding so, the meaning in that is it? Yeah, yeah. So the person that wakes up going, "I really don't want to go to work today," they actually don't have to quit their job. That's not that is often most of the time is not the red flag. Yeah, the red flag is it's not what you're doing; it's how you're perceiving. Yes, the work that you're doing. So mm. I often say, "Great, we're not Great a context. human doing. We're we are a human beings. being." Yeah, you know. And there are four cardinal traits. You know, the Tao Te Ching. I love a, a movie. Wayne Dyer uh, uh, was in it called The Shift, but he references the Tao Te Ching, this ancient Chinese text, and it's like, you know, be kind, be respectful, mm. be be generous, and be honest. Mm. Go to no matter what you're doing. Whether you're the farmer in the field or you're running a $100 billion company, be kind, be generous, um, be respectful and be honest. Mm. It doesn't matter. When you when you be those traits, 
no matter what you do, you're going to feel more purpose in your life. Yeah. We get so stuck on, I should be doing X. No, no, no. Like, where, because what about when the shit sandwich comes along? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, then you still got to be kind and, and, and honest. Well, and, it's not the things that you're doing, but how you're doing. 100%. The things that you're doing. Yep. So take us to the next one. So we, we've, so got, the next we've one got the one for me was purpose. the mind bender. The next one for me is that it's not what people are eating that is uh, a massive ingredient to their longevity. So these first three that we're going through yeah. are the longevity ingredients. The first three are longevity. And, yeah. and so life purpose and career, number one. Number two is movement. Mm. So... Movement is life. I see you've got the biology of belief by Bruce Lipton here. As you yeah. can, I can't be. I'm so attracted to books. <laughs> Love them. All of these, a lot of these books are references in my own book. Yes. Um, but biology of belief. But Bruce Lipton's big awakening was movement is life. Mm. A, a, a cell can live without a brain in that cell as long as it's moving. It's, it's an around. incredibly bizarre thing. It's like, why does a chicken when its head get cut off? <laughs> <laughs> it's, we're getting it's, graphic now <laughs> it's phenomenally it's just so we would be interviewing these people thinking oh they're you know they're definitely going to say diet this one yeah it's a bit like when you ask on the wealth faculty what's the true meaning of wealth to you and no it's one's like, saying money yeah, no it, one's saying time? money it's yeah. like no one's saying food yes. but everyone's saying movement mm. and then when you look around these longevity cultures and you look around you look around Australia and the graceful ages, if people are listening and they've got a, a grandmother or a grandfather that are aging gracefully, I bet you they're the ones that are moving regularly. They're not sitting in a chair yeah. watching, I was going to say Oprah, but watching uh, yeah. movies all day. Like they're tending the garden, like gardening. And, and you're not talking about aerobics champion of Australia. Gardening yeah. Is, yeah. The, is the longevity activity across any culture. Mm. It's gardening. And I find that for me, that was a big thing because I am, I, I, I'm so good at killing. Moving, outdoors, plants, dirt. All that. Yeah. That's why, you know, yeah. when you go, you love climbing. I'm like, it's so good. It's just like getting in nature. Like, no disrespect. I love F45 and CrossFit and mm. yoga. But when I go to this little Greek island of Ikaria, people go, are we going to do yoga? I'm like, do you see any Ikarians <laughs> doing yoga? Like, there's no yoga mats here. We're going to go. They're, they're not doing yoga with, and meditation, are no, they? They're but, not doing meditation. But what you know, you could say like gardening would be kind of hundred percent yoga and mindfulness in the garden. So my good friend Kale Brock did a documentary uh, called The Longevity Film, and he went to Okinawa in Japan, Ikaria in Greece, and Loma Linda, which is a Seventh Day Adventist community in California. Yes, um, and they often get put down as the vegan community, but only four percent of Loma Lindans are. Vegan. I just have to point that out because a lot of people think, oh, they're the vegans. Like four out of 100 of them are vegans. But in Greece, in Ikaria, he was there with Ilya, who is the husband of our host, Thea. And Ilya's a farmer. He's just a yeah, real typical Greek Ikarian farmer. And and Kale was there uh, watching Ilya farm. And Kale realized he had this epiphany. He's like, oh my gosh. He's like, I've been so caught up in meditating, doing transcendental meditation, all the rest of it. He says, I'm, I'm not going to focus so much on meditating. I'm going to live meditatively. Mm. He's observing the farmer pick the strawberries, get the lemons, go, uh, milk the goats, um, harvest the eggplant and the zucchini, doing it quietly, attentively, joyously, gracefully going, this is like a meditative state right here. And I think... Mm. 
for me and for everyone else that you know often wonders, should I be sitting in the corner of the room right here, finding peace for twenty minutes? Some people they love that. This yeah. is not to say that's the wrong thing to do. Yeah. But there's no use spending the other twenty three minutes and twenty three hours and forty minutes a day stressed, tired, cranky, judgmental, upset, boisterous, and you're craving this twenty minute cave. You look at the cultures. They cultivate the art of living meditatively 24-7. The Dalai Lama says, you know, sleep is the best meditation. I'm like, take me on that one <laughs> because we yeah. get so caught up in techniques and rituals and all the rest of it. Yeah, You look at the people that really do it well, they live meditatively. So I forget the question, but I just go. think it's so No, important. no, it, it was good. Like I think, uh, you know, we've got those those two, you know, um, you know life purpose and – the the movement and it's not like have to be the F forty five gym. Yep. You know, it's it's uh it's a process of staying active. Yep. Um which which when when you think like oh, that's so simple, but it it's not as simple to put that in your life often, is it? Where, I know, think from a scheduling, I feel like so I said it earlier that there's always a weakness. My weakness, particularly at this phase of my life, but even that feels like an excuse. My little mind's going, Don't make excuses. Ah. You know, I've got four <laughs> young kids, you know, ten and under crafting Crafting time to move as much as I think I really need to mm. is I find that really challenging. Now yeah. I know I could. There's no. This is not a. You know, I don't want to get into my own <laughs> stuff here, but <laughs> I think it's really important that people know that there's always an area, multiple for uh, particularly if people see this for the first time, it can yeah. be confronting because it's like, gee whiz, man, I'm I'm sucking at five or six key areas of life here. But I think as we as we really make an effort to grow through this, yes. There's always going to be one or two areas that are uh, an Achilles heel, or a weakness, a like challenge, a void. We've talked about this. Balance is not real. No, Correct. Like, there's no such thing there's as no balance. Nirvana. But, but, you know, improving or scheduling or having some disciplines and some structures and some processes around sort of fitting these things in, yep. you know, I think um, is a, just it's an ongoing work of art, really, at the 100%. end of the day, especially with kids and businesses and lives and whatever. But I think, you know, we're talking about movement and I think this is the key is like I look around your house and I see, uh, I know, I don't think you've got the chickens behind the office anymore. Maybe they were too much of a noise distraction. But Well, I'll <laughs> tell you a story about those. <laughs> it's like the headless chicken. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Actually, well, I'll tell you quickly why because now, now people are going, what happened to the chickens? No. We were weeding the garden and then we, we chucked the grass and the weeds over the fence to the chickens and there was actually a poisonous weed. Oh. All the chickens ate the grass and they all died. Oh, no. So I feel very bad about that. Oh, no. So we haven't replaced the chickens. So well, anyway. <laughs> what I was going to say was, because I know we're, we're designing our home at the moment and uh, I'm like, right, I definitely don't want the veggie patches and I'm, I'm, I'm toying with the idea of having a – we have so many eggs, or 15 dozen eggs a fortnight yeah. in our family. So I'm like, got to get me some chooks. But what I recognise in observing is that, you know, you've got a wonderful garden and people often go, oh, the garden keeps me so busy. I'm like, if you knew that at the age of 80 and 90, if you could still have the physical muscle memory to garden, mm. how much that would do for your life? Because you wake up and you go, I've got to weed that. I've got to cut do the this. grass. I've got yeah. to feed the chooks the poisonous weeds. Yeah. I've got to do these things. <laughs> it adds so much more to purpose. And so movement has become a luxury item in our culture. We're like, why, 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 uh, you know, why walk when I can drive? I love it. Yeah. In longevity cultures, it's why drive when I can walk? Yeah. Can you imagine that, that philosophy, that what belief? What a great approach. Like, you know, yeah, it, it's, you know, the other day um, I've got a deck here and so I have a broom. 
and I actually sweep my deck, even though I've got a blower. I don't get the blower. I don't sweep. Blower I deck. sweep the deck. Yep. And, and yesterday afternoon, I was, ex- I was doing exactly the same thing, sweeping the deck. It was a moment for me. Yep. Silent um, movement, just thinking, stopping. It was perfect. It's so, so it's good. so good. It's so good. Yep. And I, yep. I feel and I love that you're saying this because hopefully people that are watching and listening to this are going. I do so much mindless movement already. Like, give yourself credit for yeah. the mindless movement that you already do. I know my it's a bit of a bit of a laugh in my family that I am a walker and talker, uh, and I'm a relative bit loud. But <laughs> whenever I get a phone call, I won't I won't just stand at my desk. Go I will talk. always walk. Yeah. And now, if if my eight year old Darby is ever on the phone, he is always walking around the house, going, "Hi, Nana, I just want you to know," and he's literally walking, walking. Well, and I well think- there's another thing you and I have in, have in the same. Whenever I have a phone call, I put my headphones on and I go outside and I weed the garden while I'm <laughs> having a talk on my phone. So there you go. Well, I, hopefully, I'm going to live a bit longer than uh, than I thought anyway. So. I'm sorry, it's not more profound, but yes, these are the things but that are actually really important. But it's true, though. You're dead right. Um, walking meetings, you know. Hey, don't have a meeting sitting down. Go for a walk around the block. Yep, There's 100%. a few things. So let's take us through the next level then. So we we got level three or stage so these three. So this, tr- this is step three of three yep. for a great long life. You want yep. to live a great long life, do what you love, love what you do, make movement a lifestyle choice, not a lifestyle chore, mm. and socialise. Mm. And this doesn't have to be have 100 friends. Hang on, Marcus. Where's all the vegan food and the, um, yeah, we haven't and got the, there. the Himalayan salt and, you know. <laughs> exactly. Where are the chickpeas? Where's the ginger? Where's yeah. all of the superfoods? It's yep. not there yet because food will add to your quality of life exponentially. Mm. Uh, but... Socialize. You don't socialize. Uh, depression, uh, poor mm. mental health, mm. um, loss of purpose. Yeah. Um, hard to move if you don't have a don't want to be around people. But the big thing around the big thing around uh, a mediocre social life is the mental health factor. Yeah. And that's where a lot of people are beginning to recognize that social media is not socializing. Um, we found it over the COVID times at the height of it that we were missing seeing people looking at someone in the eye. Yes. There's only so much, um, you know, like the hormones of love. There's only so much oxytocin that can that can be released in the body when you're on Zoom. Well, you I know? mean, and, and there's great science around, you know, the heart interaction. It's it's a it's a big magnetic muscle in our body, and yeah. so we 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 are influencing each other's bodies through the magnetic pulses of our heart right now yep. it goes out so these things like we this um evolution you know millions of years as mammals and and herd um you know uh creatures on the planet you know it doesn't sort of change overnight just because yep. facebook was invented 10 years ago exactly right and there's the thing you know people might be going no hold on a minute but surely food has to go in and, and i referenced it a couple of times in the book and just this might sound a little bit deep and i couldn't fit this example in the book but it, i think about it all the time mm. uh in auschwitz there was a man called eddie jq uh he's i want you to interview him because he had a real estate um he had like Eddie, I was like JQ, Eddie JQ Realty in Sydney, in Mascot, until I think the age of 93, I could wow. be wrong. Anyway, he's a he's a ripping bloke. He wrote a book, which is now a bestseller called The World's Happiest, Happiest Man on Earth. But one of his most unhappy times is in Auschwitz, and uh, he had a group of four, him and his good friend Kurt and two others. Now, in Auschwitz, when people couldn't deal with it, anymore they would uh what's called essentially just 
they would go to the electric fence. It mm. was it was a it, it was a more humane way to die than going to the chambers. They would literally commit suicide going to the fence. And Eddie JQ said the power of peer group is so phenomenal, and let me tell you why. Because there are a number of days when I would say to Kurt, I can't do this anymore, Kurt. I'm going to the fence. And Kurt would say, just one more day, Eddie. Just one more day. Just one more day. Yeah. And then on other days, Kurt would go, Eddie, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Just, you know, and Eddie would be going, Kurt, just one more day. Just one more day. Mm. Had nothing to do with food. Absolutely nothing to do with food. And I can share with you dozens of examples of when the power of peer group gets you through more than the power of food. You need friends more than you need food. Totally. You know, what it, a great byline. Yeah. And I think it's so important. Yeah. Like a lot of great bylines. Let food, let friends be your nutrition. You know, <laughs> we could do a lot there. Love but, it. But I think it's so important that that we've lost the art. And many, and I say to people all the time, socialising requires leadership. Many of us, whether we blame it on social media or not, we've lost that social muscle. Mm. Now it's stranger danger. It's not strangers of friends we haven't met yet. I think we're consuming so much media. We've lost a lot of our trust in humanity, which means we're less sharing we're less open well, to it's, people it's more diver- uh divisionary and you, you, you and i've chatted about this you know lots of the algorithms in facebook or any sort of social media thing shows you more of what um you consume not yes. a broad yes a broad overview of of lots of different things and then you end up in a very narrow mindset or a narrow consumption of content and information yep. you know and um yeah, it's a it's a funny one, you know, like the the impact that that we haven't seen yet that play out in the next I know. 20, 30, 50 years, you know. And this is where it's like again without wanting to sound like I'm too corny, being the exception to the rule. Mm. You know, when I when I use the word exceptional, I mean it in two terms. Exceptional is in exceptional quality. You know, we talk about it in jewelry, you know, how exceptional, you know, is a diamond or whatever it is, but Exceptional quality versus average or mediocre quality, but yeah. also being second one is the exception to the rule. So what you're saying is over the next ten or twenty years, we're a little bit concerned about how this is going to play out. But you want to be the exception to the rule and don't fall into that bracket of people that really struggle yeah. with the consequences of mediocre socialising. Yeah, um, because we don't we don't want to we don't want to fit into well, that. It's an interesting thing, you know, and and it's just popped up for me because you and I have talked about this many times, you know. Where's the handbook of how to be a good husband mm. or wife or partner, whatever whatever version of language you want to use in that? Like, where do you get that? Where's the training? Yeah. Where's the support? You know, being a good parent, you know, um, an important thing. Being a good, you know, investor and money, whatever. Like, you know, these things that are so important in life, like, and then just come up to me and there's like, well, how do, what's, what's being a good friend? Like, where is that? You know, we're not taught that stuff. We're, we're yep. taught dysfunctional things, I believe. You know, I, well, my experience and, and not necessarily a belief, but it's an experience of, you know, we're taught to be friends in places like school and sport mm. where that's often very dysfunctional in, in, in how it, you know, how you learn yeah. to be a friend. So, so one, one of the elements that came up for me as a poor was – the, the definition of community. So community comes mm. from the French term communité, which means public spirit. So if you're wondering if you – I think one of the greatest ingredients and biggest decisions you'll ever make in your life is loving where you live. So if you don't love where you live, it's often because you don't really connect with the public spirit of where you live. Now, so the house and you live or the area or whatever, like so 
So think of so so Sam Saggers, our great mutual friend, your yes. business partner, talks about the third place. Mm. So you can have a beautiful home, your first place. You can have a gorgeous backyard, your second place. But if you don't actually love going down the street, getting a coffee, if you don't love spending money in that local economy, the restaurants, the local pool, whatever you do, if you're crossing the road like to avoid people in your place of public spirit, yes, that says a lot for says a lot about you. Fascinating. And it says a lot about your life. Yes. Now, I don't want to sound like I'm no profit on this, but the karma bus of your community choices has a really weird and wacky way of playing out. And I think it's really important that we recognise you can never, you could never get in a science lab. I could never stick a needle in your arm and go, Jason, you've got a great social life and you must really love where you live. But we could observe you for a day or two days and see how you go when you're picking up the kids from school, going to a Christmas carols function, going out for dinner, seeing how you talk to strangers in your street. I mean, I've gone out for lunches and dinners with you and I know you love where you live. Yeah. Because you're not you're not different. You're not you know do you know what I mean? If you're finding you're having to be different in all these different scenarios, that was a big thing for Sarah and I leaving Gippsland to come up here. Yeah. Because we felt like we had two heads. Where we live, we were the, we probably did, but we were the, you know, chiropractic red flag, vegan red flag, teetotalers red flag, and we, we could have been wrong, but we really felt at this phase of our life that moving up to the Byron Shire, where and Sarah was also ready to leave chiropractic, and I was ready to launch my exceptional life blueprint yes. and all the rest of it. So it wasn't the only thing we wanted to make some educational decisions for our kids, but we were like anywhere between Byron and Noosa. Any in that stretch, we just felt like we would be more accepted. Is not the right term because we we weren't unaccepted, but we felt like we would connect more with our with the public spirit of somewhere between yeah. Byron and Noosa. Yeah, and, and it's interesting one like you talk about that like the public spirit, it's like somewhere where you're encouraged to be more of yourself rather than less of yourself. Anymore. You and you look I mean? at these longevity yeah. cultures. Yeah. Again, I go to Ikaria every year when there's not a pandemic and, you know, you could go to any village and they are encouraged to be more of who they are. Yes. And they love their culture and they love everything about where they live. And I often say to people when I'm over there, like, you don't have to live in Ikaria to be like this, but you really want to decide is where you're living right now bringing out the most exceptional version of you. I've literally had people come home from Ikaria going, oh, my gosh, I've got to sell my house and relocate whether it's like build a tiny home in the back of Burke or move actually to a big city because that's going to bring the best out in me or if I have to move from one state to another. Yeah. But it's it, these are these are big these decisions. These are important things, mate. Yeah, like in, I can see the layer in and it's a, it's a firing bunch of stuff in my mind now for which to keep it on track here because, you know, just we could <laughs> yeah, talk we'll for hours, forever. I'm quite bloody sure. But, you know, like, like, let's go then number four. I'll, just, I'll go through the others relatively yes. quickly. So we've gone through quantity of life. Quality of life uh, obviously includes the others, but it really begins with your nutrition. I love it. So, quantity and quality, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So you yeah. want just think of it on a day. Like you're going to have 24 hours in a day. If you put good quality food into your body, you and I have a high stand on this ourselves. Yes. Like I love a chocolate croissant. I love a pan of chocolate, but not Monday to Friday. It just doesn't roll well for the quality of my day. Mm. I get a bit brain foggy. Saturday or Sunday morning, if they're on the shelf and I'm there, love it, right? Yeah. But – Got to really remember this. Like quality of life is food. I've already mentioned the diet gurus and I've 
countless examples of uh, research. Your diet is not going to be the end all and be all of your uh, quantity of life, but it will have an impact on your quality of life. Mm. We see this a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, 33% of all cancers are from obesity. Now, you don't get obesity just from sitting on the couch. You also get obesity... 80% of your body shape is from your diet. Yes. So you get obesity from poor nutritional choices. Yeah. You can still go to work, you can still go for a walk, and you can still socialize when you're obese, but the quality of those experiences is impacted by your nutritional choices. Mm. Um, 33% of all diabetes, we've got to really, we've just got to really, those. yeah, we've got to work, Wait, work it, on that. It, it, it kind of, um, Billy Connolly, the comedian, sort of says, well, you know, why am I eating broccoli now? Because it adds it adds uh, years to my life at the end, yeah. right? Uh, but why, why do I want an extra year when I'm 96? I might as well party hard now and get get something. But yeah. when you put it in the quality of now rather than the quantity of later, yeah. that makes more sense, you know. And here's the thing: if you're going to get to 96, and you and I are highly likely to get to it, the, yes. we, Australia is we are fourth on the ladder for longevity. Like if mm. you live in Australia. You are in the lucky country for longevity and don't deny the fact that you're going to live a long time. Yes. Here's the curly thing. We plummet down the ladder to 15th on the ladder for quality of life at the end yes. of our year. So we have on average 11 terrible, you know, highly medicated, 15 meds a day, can't do much, stuck in a home, in a nursing home, how, whatever scenario you want to well, paint. Australia's got a terrible, um, in the OECD countries, we're the worst developed country in the world for financial wellness when we're when we're old as well. And that's the thing. You and I yeah. spoke about this, the yeah. massive link between not managing your money well over the 60, 70 years, yes. it, you pay a massive price. Because I'll just shoot up to the top here. You get wealth is at the top of the Exceptional Life Blueprint. Uh, it's the smallest piece in the puzzle, but yes. it's really no less important. If I then, you know, if I'm talking on a deeper level of this, if you stuff that up, it trickles all, all the, the way, way down. down. It impacts your levels of growth, your so it's family. A quantity it's a quality enhancer. Yes. yes. And then it impacts it impacts everything. Yes. It, it impacts your, your growth, like you want to travel the world. How many people do we know that wanted to travel the world and didn't, you know, had all the money saved pre-COVID, you know, in shares or something, and then it all went pear-shaped and they couldn't do the things that their dreams... Uh, if you muck up your, your wealth, it has a massive impact on your family, has a massive impact on your nutritional health, your social life, your movement, your life purpose. Yeah. It's everywhere. But um, so I've mentioned nutrition. Above that is love and relationships. So nutrition was number four. Four. four, four. And then love and relationships, number five. Now, this is a big one. So love and relationships separate to your social friendship. Correct. Yes. Yes. So okay. I've yep. separated health because we often think health is – eating and moving together, yes, but moving smart. is way more powerful. Same with your family and your social. Like you interviewed Bronnie Ware on yes. here. If you're dying and you've got family members around you, it's a very different experience Experience than when you've got your friends around you. Mm. The conversations, if you're not dying, well, we're all dying, but if you're, not, if you're up and about, the conversations you have with your family are very different to the ones you have with your friends. Mm -hmm. Completely different dynamic. Um and as I've said many times, if you're a Holocaust survivor and you just lost your whole entire family, as many of them did, you still have human beings around the world that you need to or are wise to 
communicate with. And that was really the more Holocaust survivors I've interviewed, the more I've recognised that the importance of that separation. Yeah, yeah. But the other thing is family doesn't come first. We often say this, my family comes first, my family comes first. I can guarantee you, you come first. That's why your life purpose is there because yes. you... You're with you the whole time. Your family, uh, in in the core level of uh, definition, are transient. You don't have your parents with you the whole time. True. Your siblings are the longest relationship you have. Yeah. Which a lot of people just don't remember enough because so many people sadly lose touch with their siblings. Their I'm siblings. like, dude, like you're with them from the moment you're born. Yeah. Till the Onwards. day you know, till the day you die. Like and you and I talk about this with kids as well. It's like you know. We've had this conversation. One day those little buggers will leave home and not give a rat's ass about how they left you and your partner in the relationship either. So, like, you know, and there's like put yourself first, put you yeah. and your partner next, and then yeah. the children can come after that. Yeah. It's so, an interesting conversation, probably yeah. maybe a little bit racy one day. No, have, it's but, really important. And yeah. I don't want to get too much into training mode, yeah. but there's, yeah. there's, there's a dozen relationship dynamics. But the five that I focus on, if you think of it visually, above you, you've got your grandparents and your parents. You often yeah. spoke about where do the mentors come from? Well, yes. In the old days and in the longevity cultures, they're all learning how to live from their parents and their grandparents mm. and, and then their wider community. And in, again, a, a Greek island of Ikaria, every village is around 120 people. So your mentors... And you, you, you know this in business. Yes. You know, once you go over 150, yeah. it doesn't all go pear-shaped, but it just the game completely changes. Yeah, yeah. Same in village life. Mm. So you've got it right there. But then you've got your grandparents, your parents. Sideways, you've got your siblings and your spouse uh -huh. or your partner. Uh -huh. And then below, you've got your children. And they're, they're all very different. Those five are very different. And understanding love languages, values, your upbringings and, and what impact they have. Like you can never take your upbringing away from your partner or your siblings. No. And you can't change the way, the meaning that they put on their upbringings. So when your spouse or your sibling says something and you can see that it's related to an upbringing, don't try and change it uh. because it's, it's like... In rock, it's concreted. It's, it's there. It's the experience that they had. hundred percent. Yeah. And and it's not our job to change it. I think we've got to recognise in family that family for me are the greatest personal growth course. They're, they're free of charge. Absolutely. They're good value for money. They, they, they go forever. I mean, they can often cost us a truckload of money. <laughs> Depends uh, on which side of the ledger. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. No, 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 no. Is it an upfront cost or an ongoing yeah, cost? Yeah, so, but there's no entry fee. Is the thing. <laughs> there's no entry fee. <laughs> <laughs> love um, it, love it. But a lot of our lessons about life, yes, you know, often I just had a cereal last night, you know, and I was talking about people that don't like Christmas. I know you're not a massive fan of birthdays, but I go, look, the Grinches have mummy and daddy issues because they often grew up in families where it wasn't celebrated. I have a bit of a thing. I like to stoke the fire about why don't you like listening to Christmas carols? <laughs> I'm like, what did your parents teach you about Christmas? But a lot of our things, like yeah. conscious and unconscious, are from our family. Yes. And we've got to recognise this as a quality of life enhancer. Because when your buttons are pushed, like, think about it. If Christmas Day is weird, if birthdays are weird, if Easter is weird, if you've just got times to celebrate yeah. and you're going, oh, do I really have to go? Like, yeah. that's yeah. not a good thing. You've no. got to go, why, why do I not want to go? Mm. 
you know, I just recorded a podcast on how to deal with awkward Christmas days. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and, you know, you've got to deal with table settings. Go check you, that one out, folks. Do okay. you have it indoor? It's like it's episode 404 of 100 Not Out, I think. You know, do you do indoor or outdoor? I've got this thing, I call it the walk, like when everyone's on the couch and all the rest of it. Just go for a walk because you just need to walk it off, get some fresh Man, air. Lay down and you're out. You know, it's you and I like were talking big, earlier, like, yeah. you know, if people have overstayed their welcome, just get busy in the kitchen, do the dishes, start yeah. cleaning, That's it. go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, to <laughs> you've got to you've got to understand the dynamics of everyone in your family, and it's important because the consequences of that, you know, families drifting apart. You know, that's mm. not really kosher. That's not and, the way it's meant and to it's be. It's easier than ever before because of the capacity to, you know, be anywhere in the world for career and and those sorts of things. It it is. Um, it's easier to be not in the same location as your family. Yep. It's almost encouraged. Yep. Uh, and, you know, um, that could be quite dysfunctional if not managed well, right? Yep. So, you know, yeah, good. 100%. Yeah. So, so what have we got going after on? That we've got, we got growth, oh, we're recap, uh, life purpose, movement, social life, nutrition, love and relationships. Growth is learning what you love um, and, and having an inspired hobby. Not just a hobby to pass the time, not Sudoku and crosswords, you know. Like, and often movement, tra- like there's a lot of there's a lot of movie com- combining in here. Like, you love to climb rocks with other people. You love to go with Lily. Yes, that ticks your social box with another human being, your family box, and your movement box. But it also ticks your growth box because you're doing climbs that are hard yeah. and challenging, and yep. it's an inspired hobby. Mm. I love the piano. I love French. I love reading books. You don't have to motivate me to do it. You don't have to push me into it. I'm yep. pulled. I'm magnetized to yes, it. Yes. No one has to tell you to go climbing. Well, in my head, like in my head now, I'm like, I want to be still climbing at 70 plus. Yep. You know, so so what I, I think about it all the time. I want to what, be interviewing you on 100 Not Out, mate. What can I do? <laughs> To make sure I'm able to continue to do those things yeah. well into my 70s and 80s, you yeah. know. Yeah. And they, these are the things where you link your movement to your growth and vice versa. Yes. And you can recognise all of the different reasons why it's important to be exceptional in each of these areas of life. Uh, wealth, it's pretty simple. You're spending less than you earn and investing the difference or you're spending more than you earn. You talk about credit cards as the crack co- cocaine, <laughs> you know, there's 140% of our income for many people, yeah. you know, being spent um, – We've got to be really measured in how we actually go about it. And again, you've taught me so much about that over the years. But then I wrap a big circle around that triangle Mm. and I put your spirit, soul and faith around those seven areas. Mm. Because if you don't put your spirit, soul and faith into every single area of your life, you can put your heart and soul into a book that you're reading. You put your heart and soul into the, the, the rocks that you're climbing, into the work that you do. You put your heart and soul into having a a very committed present conversation over coffee with a friend. You're not checking your phone. You're not you're not distracted. You're giving yeah. them your heart and soul. Yeah, yeah. We might call it your bandwidth or your presence, but really you're giving them your heart and soul. Yeah. You're giving them your full attention. You've got to put this into every area of your life. You and I have a massive humanitarian bent. Yes. You put your heart and soul into your wealth. You know, you put your heart and soul into your family. You don't just play it half-assed. And I think mm-hmm. that's what I think is is often missing in a lot of personal growth. It gets very technical and we talk about, even if we're talking about emotional health or family health, there's no real segmenting. 
You know, I talk about this as an as a as a recipe. Yeah. And you just can't leave one ingredient out. Life purpose is like the tomato sauce in the bolognese, yes, right? Yeah. If you take your career fulfillment and the meaning of your life out, like it's so shallow. The rest of it it's tastes so pretty empty. average. You're yeah, like, yeah. what is this? Tacos or what am I trying to <laughs> <laughs> It's you know, gone wrong, it's what's gone, gone wrong. Happened here? <laughs> you know, so you don't want to be the taco of life. You want to be the the, the most beautiful spaghetti bolognese that has been mm. passed down through the years that is just so succulent, delicious, and and you enjoy it. And I truly believe life is an art. I truly believe our life is a masterpiece, no matter yes. where you've come from. And yes. when we treat our life as a masterpiece, you know, and 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 those masters that spent years, you know, on their craft, I, I think life is like that. Yeah. You know, and in Australia, we're fortunate that that art, that masterpiece, goes for many, many years. We're not in Sierra Leone where the average life is like 48 years of age. We've actually got a really good, you know, eight, nine, even 10 plus decades to actually master that art. Master so. that art. And, and I think one thing that, uh, you know, is a lost art is observing and giving value to the older people in our community, oh. right? And so we're, we've got this fascination with fast and young and whatever that might be and, and – it, I think sometimes that gets a bit augmented yep. when we sort of, you know, and I've talked about this many times before, like the disposal of of some of the best value we have in our society are the older people, the older generation. They're sort of tucked away in old people's homes and stuff like that. And, yep. you know, and sometimes, you know, people do that because that's the only choice they have. But, you know, it, there is such value there and I think – Honouring that value um, in the way you have in, you know, 100 Not Out and in, in your pork and, you know, around the world is uh, just an amazing thing. I think it is, it is a, again, I, I love talking about this and I mm. think we we gloss over, but we are youth-obsessed and we almost see the older generation, our elders, um, as disposable. Yes. And I, I look back to, again, I even look at, I don't want to talk too much about genocides, but, you know, they, they get rid of, they got rid of the, the elders not so much because of their age, but actually because of their knowledge. Mm. They wanted to wipe the knowledge from the smartest, the people with the experience, uh -huh. the oldest. Yeah. And I think we often forget that the elderly have got so much knowledge and wisdom and experience to share. Perspective. Perspective. And, you know, we just contrast. don't ask enough questions. Yeah. Yeah. We stick them in a corner and we feed them baked beans and we go, you know, be done with. People want them to hurry up. There's a story of a woman in New Zealand who set up an R&B group called the Hip Operation. <laughs> Billy Jordan. And she told us on 100 Not Out that, you know, she had people in the in the group. They set world records like the oldest hip-hop group in the world. They, they would go to these – they went to Vegas or they went to America yeah. and they, they danced. Anyway, YouTube them. They're like Insta-famous. <laughs> and um, she had parents – of the dancers angry at her because she had given them purpose, which meant that she had given them reason the to live a longer life. Yeah. So, so she'd given the older people yeah. with dementia and all the rest of it a reason to live longer. Mm. And the children wanted their parents to die so they could get their money and do the things. So they got angry at and I was like, is this what it's become? Mm. You know, we now see the elderly as an asset, like a financial asset only, and an asset for no other reason. Oh, and we, that's, we, could, we could dive into... We could wax lyrical on that one. We could wax lyrical on that one, yeah, you know. Yeah. How do I get wealthy? Well, you know, I marry a rich person or wait till my parents to die, you know. 
And two of those are pretty average conversations. That's, uh, to be, this is a mediocre as yeah, uh, belief. Mediocre. Well, yeah. listen, um, amazing conversation today, and there's plenty of meat on that bone. You know, folks, yes. if you're listening in, grab Marcus's book, um, releasing in the next few weeks, three to four That's weeks, it. whatever that whatever that time frame might be. Hopefully, COVID think, doesn't um, affect any of the printing and stuff. No, you know? no, a little 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 plug because I do have a website. Yes. if people want to get it, give it's it a, a nudge. Uh, better get it right. MarcusPierce.com.au forward slash pre-order. Pre-order. If it's not, I'll definitely make a website right. called that. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pre-order. Hey, that's not the right one. So, you know, um, folks, tune in to Marcus's podcast, 100, 100 not, uh, out. not Out. Um, grab the book when it when it comes out and uh, sink your teeth into it So because it's fantastic reading and the content is absolutely world-class. You're in there, by the way. Ooh, there's, uh, there's 50-odd exceptionals. Ah, I think there's 56, and you're one of them. Oh, thanks, mate. Appreciate that. And the ones that are living have a birth, have their year of birth, not the year of death. Well, now I've got to live to 100. I've got yeah. some extra purpose. I've got extra motivation. <laughs> you're in there. Well, thank you for being on the on the podcast today. I always uh, ask my guests this question. Um, and Marcus Pierce, what is the true meaning of wealth to you, Gee, my friend? It's interesting because I, I help you with this on a number of episodes. <laughs> I think the true meaning of wealth to me is – it really comes down to the foundation of life purpose. Mm. When you do what you love and love what you do, you bring the best version of yourself to the world. Mm. And if I said it was family, but you hadn't discovered who you really were and the purpose of uh, your life, I feel like it would be lacking somewhat. So I really think that true wealth is knowing you and putting the time and effort uh, to know who you are. And when you know that, you feel incredibly wealthy and you can share that wealth the world moving forward great answer Marcus Pierce thanks for joining me on the podcast thanks for having me Jace hey thanks for joining us on the wealth faculty hope you enjoyed make sure you subscribe where all good podcasts are found you can find us there and if you want to watch it you can subscribe on YouTube positive mentor TV and until the next episode take care bye for now <laughs>